the sky ain't a worry in my mind. Looks like we're in the clear, clear, clear just to live What is going on you guys and welcome back to episode five. Cinco, as you were saying, Dad. Episode yeah. Cinco of our portfolio building series. What's going on, Dad? Hey, having a good day here, Brian, in uh, lovely sunny Powell River. No smoke up here from the fires, so we're escaping that so far. So that's good. Just a beautiful day. And I uh, was looking forward to doing this recap with you today. It's been a while, a few weeks, I guess, since we did an update on the portfolios. So looking forward to sort of updating everybody what we've done, where we're at, and to go from there. Yeah, I think actually looking back, it was, uh, it's been a month since our previous okay. upload, I believe, I think. So yeah, we end of June. So we do have a lot to kind of catch up with you guys on a lot of new additions, all sorts of stuff. I was actually just by your area. I was on the other side of the water, Campbell River, when we drove by. Yes, so. uh, you were just almost a stone's throw away uh, across the, across the water. <laughs> You're up doing oh, some yeah. fishing. Yeah, looks Jesse like was you saying got a, you got Jesse a pretty good saying, haul. It looks like. Yeah, not bad. And we yeah. got a bunch of food to kind of eat for a nice. while now. So that was good. Why don't we start with just doing an overview of our portfolio in terms of starting with just the total account size. Sure. And um, as of today, when we took a look at these numbers, our new portfolio total is sitting at $45,000 and $45,974.22. Up on the screen, you'll be seeing a clip here of our Quest Trade portfolio. This is the self-directed margin account. In Canadian dollars, this one's sitting at $22,811. Moving on to our Wealth Simple Trade account, this account is sitting at $23,162. This is our personal uh, cash account with 11 positions. And we're gonna be diving into all of that towards the end of the video. But um, yeah, before we start getting into our Q&A segment, one of the things that we're really starting to recognize, Dad, as our portfolios have now been open for a little while, is we're starting to see this activity flow in. And mm-hmm. in particular, it's nice to see these dividend payments yeah. as yeah. passive income investors that are starting to essentially create this snowball effect that even with just in a few months of starting this portfolio, we're already reaping the benefits from. Yeah, because we're, so we're basically almost three months into it now. And so we're going to start seeing those dividends, which are typically play, uh, paid quarterly by most most of the companies that we own right now. So yeah, it's, it's awesome. I think you have a screenshot, I think you uh, put mm-hmm. together for this, yeah. We're looking in this in this uh, TD, I mean, sorry, in this Wealthsimple account in particular, we have Bell Canada with the $14 dividend. Uh, KL paid us just under five bucks. Q-Tip got a nice $2 dividend payment. MUB, our other bond fund, uh, CNR, $5, MFC, eleven twenty, and uh, Q-Tip again, $2.03. So nice, this little, I don't even know, it's it's a great feeling. And especially for those that are on Simple, you do get a little notification uh, by email saying you just received a dividend. And uh, I can see that getting annoying with time, but especially when you're just getting started, uh, it, it's an exciting little email to get. You can log on and see the action. So you love to see it. It's just proof of, it's proof of this whole system really starting to work. And, and we're in those early, early days. And you know, sort of think of that snowball analogy where th- these the dividends today are like a couple of little flakes being added to the mm-hmm. snowball. But you know, months from now or years from, from now, uh, those will be really meaningful as the portfolio grows and grows. And, and of course, most of those dividends as a percentage are going to increase as time goes by, uh, goes by as well. So uh, little now, but this is where you start. And, and uh, looking forward to you know, a couple years down the road, having a look at these numbers as they're flowing in. That's one of the things that when I started working for you at the firm and I saw Mm. some of the the dividends alone that clients were pulling in, like 
there are some significant chunks as your portfolio yeah. grows larger and larger and larger and uh, it doesn't you know you, can, you don't just skip to that step it's all baby steps till you get to that point so a lot of a it. lot of clients would, would live off the dividends for the Absolutely. most part but it's not just for older people living off the dividends, as you know. Uh, this is forming that base of the portfolio, and so even for a younger investor, chip away, chip away, and then at the time you uh, you know, get a little bit older, you're going to have that nice recurring dividend income coming in. So it's uh, it's for the young investors. It's for the old investors. It's a wonderful thing. It is. Oh. Let's bounce over to our Q&A segment. We had a ton of great questions come oh. in and uh, we're going to be highlighting a few from you guys today. Let's quickly knock off one from Andy Shield or Scheid, sorry. Thanks for this update. Uh, I appreciate your explanation and leaning towards bonds. What percentage bonds do you intend to hold and cash now 40? He says, go Habs, go. Mark, glad you won't be wearing a Bruins cap in the next few videos. I just have to take a quick moment because in the last video, that was when Montreal was going into the Stanley Cup finals and, and I... Uh, I think you and I bantered a little bit and I mentioned that, oh yeah, I wasn't a Habs fan because they used to beat the Bruins back in the day. And to be very clear, I am absolutely no longer a Bruins fan. I, um, I just, they nice. uh, yeah, for many years, I became very disenchanted with my beloved Bruins. And so I, I, haven't, I haven't been cheering for them for a long, long time. So there's a bit of a misconception there. I know the Habs did not do very well. I think they won a game in the series. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so that's well. all right. So, yeah, I got a lot of flack on that, but uh, you know, hey, I, I'll uh, unless the connection are in there. Just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, uh, sorry. Oh, it's a, but it's a Canadian team, so I think that's the theory. We're supposed to go with the last surviving Canadian team, right? I think so. Mm -hmm. um, back to Andy's question, he says, yeah. um, "What percentage of bonds do we intend to hold?" And I think the answer to that is. Um, we will definitely have targets, rough targets, but I think it will. It can absolutely vary depending on the market conditions. Um, do you have any set numbers, Dad, that you'd like to share? Well, um, what I like to think of it, rather than a target number, is a band that you'd work. Mm -hmm. So you'd, you'd have sort of, you're right, like a strategic target of, we have two separate portfolios combined into one. So in the growth-oriented portfolio, we will have a lower weighting of bonds. I would say probably at, at most times, we would I, I would expect that we would have somewhere between 10 and 20% in bonds at almost all times, just because we believe that having that element of, of the you know negatively correlated generally uh, asset class to equities it's good to have that in there uh, we've got some higher yield bonds in the portfolio so they won't be the same generic you know government of Canada bonds that we might have in the balanced portfolio but probably in the 10 to 20 percent range dependent upon where we are in the market cycle what the markets are doing so we'll adjust that for the balanced portfolio I would expect once we're fully built up minimum of 20 probably a maximum of 40 uh, let's call mm -hmm. it generically in the 30% range. That's a, a number that in a balanced portfolio seems to be, uh, it, it does the job it's supposed to do in there. Yes, you over time will sacrifice some growth, but the, the type of investor who would have a balanced portfolio compared to a pure growth portfolio, you need that in there just because most people don't have the uh, the temperament or the uh, you know the uh, mm -hmm. fortitude to ride through major market corrections, and that's exactly the role that that, that those bonds it, do play, and they do add income to the portfolio. Yeah, and if it's the role of the balanced port, if it's the role in the balanced portfolio, which is what we're attempting to build on the Wealth Simple account, um, Dave just, asked a question. Yeah. Uh, one one quick uh, point there, Brandon. Uh, Andy also asked about cash. 
And uh, yeah, cash right now is high because we, you know, we put the money into the portfolio and we're building it up. But uh, in the growth portfolio, once we're fully built up, and I think you know we're, we're probably looking over the next couple or three months to to get to that position, we would be looking at zero or five percent cash, maybe ten. Um, and in the uh, in the balanced portfolio, I wouldn't I wouldn't shy away from holding you know twenty percent if the markets are you know rich like they are today, or going right down to zero or five percent uh, when the markets do correct because that will come along. And you know you, that's exactly why you have that cash on the side. You sacrifice today, but then you take advantage. So probably uh, yeah, definitely. Andy, the forty percent today is not something that we would expect to be holding for much longer at all. Agreed. Agreed. That's mm. just temporary. Mm-hmm. Um, Dave Dave Millari asks, since your portfolio is based on long-term investments, do you place a stop loss on any of your picks? Mm-hmm. Simple answer. We we don't at this point. It uh, doesn't mean that we may never do stop losses, but um, yeah, we, no, we don't. We haven't. And it kind of makes sense with a young portfolio like this because we're picking companies that we're hoping will be in the portfolio for a long, long time with the full understanding that anything can happen in the short term. And in the, the companies that we've owned so far, we've seen some go up, we've seen some go down, some gyrate, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what you'd expect in the short term uh, nature. So no, you will find people who say every position should have a stop on it. I, I just don't believe that. I just think managing the portfolio, it, it, it's an unnecessary step in most market conditions. And I think, you know, to your point, this is a longer term perspective. That may change if we have one of these companies that shoots up or, you know, when we have a certain amount of growth where the portfolio, uh, you know, we're worried about it being overvalued. Uh, I wouldn't preclude putting a stop loss on some of the positions at some point, but right now we don't have any, and it would just be market conditions that would dictate if we go that route or when we go that route. Anything to add to that, Brandon? I would just say another consideration too is that we we are uh, this is what we do full time here and we're actively involved with our mm-hmm. portfolio. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that we plan to watch over it every single day and we're not on the mm-hmm. computer screen checking the charts. Yeah, but it that that is something to factor in, in with a stop loss in the sense that we are for the most part on top of what our holdings are doing and. Yeah. Uh, you know, it'd be a different story if we were very busy with, you know, another job or a different type of work and we ha- we were going on vacation for X amount of days and mm-hmm. we weren't going to be in touch with these accounts and we say, you know what, maybe we will place a stop loss here on a position knowing that this is what we're willing to bear. Yeah. But given the nature of what we do and our business here and how involved we are with the markets, I think another thing is that we're quite on top of things. So I don't I don't see us even having a need in the future, but as you said, we won't count it out. You never know. And that's what you just said when, when we selected this question, that was something I forgot to say, but yeah, vacation. If you and I went on a vacation together and there was nobody around to, to manage mm-hmm. things, then then that would be the perfect opportunity to selectively put some stops on uh, on some, you know, whatever names your concern might be a little bit overheated. Exactly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let, let's move on to maybe one sure. or two more questions here sure. before we go into the actual stocks that we did add. I forgot to mention, guys, the way, guys, if you enjoy this series, uh, please take a moment and drop a big thumbs up. Also, make sure you're subscribed. Check out our Investing Academy. You guys know the drill. The next question can be from um, Kelly Halderson. Here's a good one. Question, if you were buying an investment for tw- 10 to 20 years, how much do you care about your entry point for a stock? I hear about discounted cash flow, etc., and building a margin, building in a margin of safety, but you, but won't you end up missing out on a great company that never fully corrects, and you miss out on those returns if you don't just buy in and dollar cost average, or is there more, or is that more your strategy? I think that's such a really, really good question there by Kelly. Um, 
essentially to, to, to summarize, do we set, let me reread that question back. Do we care about an entry point for our stocks? Yeah. I'll speak on that first. Sure, um, yeah. I think I think the entry point always matters for your yeah. stocks. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a, it's a foolish thing to say, to say, well, I'm investing for the long term, so it doesn't matter when I buy my stock. I think that's mm. very dangerous. Mm. Entry point does matter, and we could probably throw up some cases. Let me just throw up a case right now, for example. You look during the tech bubble, like a, a Cisco, or even a Microsoft, or for example, a very strong companies, but if you bought them at the peaks of their um, bubble during the early 2000s and pushing mm -hmm. into the 2000s, that entry point mattered. Even yeah. if you did believe in a company for the long term and for 20 years or 17 years, you could have been, could have been in the hole. And yeah. Yeah. we may be seeing companies right now that have done so well, they're at the peak of a bubble and if you buy it now, the next five, 10, 15 years, it could be a downhill from here. So the entry point does matter, but if it is a great quality company to kind of play devil's advocate with that, there can be times where it doesn't matter and you just want to get exposure to a great company knowing that it's going to go up. So it's a bit of both, but uh, I'm curious to hear what you think on this, dad. Yeah. And I think that's what Kelly's, um, I think that's what he's saying is, in other words, do you set a target price, an entry price and say it's, you know, $42 and 12 cents and it's at 42, 13. Do you say, I'm going to be disciplined and not buy it? Like what you just said, Brandon, to, to add to that, and, and I lived this um, as an investment advisor for, for quite a number of years, where I would have some clients who would set those very, very strict target prices, and I saw it, where you think, wow, just like, you know, you can, you're, you're going to pay a fraction more for this company if you want to put that it's trading here, and you've got that limit order here, and then, yeah, you miss out on the opportunity, exactly what Kelly's talked about there. So it's a very insightful question to answer it. Um, the answer is you have that, yes, it, it does matter, even if you're a long-term holder at what price, mm -hmm. uh, but to the actual penny or even close like that, our strategy is no, you want to get a piece of those of those companies and you don't want to, you know, the next high and then maybe it'll pull back. And even, you know, we'll be talking a little bit more of that as it turns out because we're going to be covering a couple of companies that we own to the portfolio over this last, uh, this last time period. Period, yeah. And we've been wanting to own them since you know we started this challenge and we've just mm -hmm. added them just recently because exactly what you're talking about there's an opportunity that we see right now again we'll talk more about it in a few minutes here but mm -hmm. so yeah wrap it up uh kelly uh great question and uh, i hope we answered it uh, to to your satisfaction mm -hmm. I, I think a, i think a skill to develop just one one final addition there mm -hmm. is uh, as an investor being able to identify when a company has fallen into an undervalued range or an undervalued territory or conversely is trading in an overvalued range or an overvalued territory i think that's a far more important skill than what people would realize you know people think they have to get down to the penny like you said or the dollar and mm -hmm, say mm -hmm. hey my model say i need to buy at this price it's this right. or nothing this is how i'm going to get at this return i think more than that if you're able to I identify ranges uh, and mm -hmm. say, hey, this is a stock that is trading in undervalued territory or overvalued territory. I think that's actually a, a major little gem and, and point that you can take with you um, mm -hmm. to help with, at least, again, depending on everyone's strategy. Some people like getting very, very into the numbers and crunching the Excel spreadsheets. Some people don't, but uh, just personal preference there. And we will have, I mean, I, I, if there's if there are other portfolio managers or there are other advisors 
watching this video, they may disagree. You know, everybody has their mm -hmm. own strategies, but uh, you know, Kelly ended with, "Is that more your strategy?" And our strategy is, you want to get close, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, we're not gonna we're not gonna potentially miss out on a great opportunity uh, to try and eke out an extra penny. I'm I'm not gonna do that. Agreed. Yeah. Let's do one more here by um, sure. Joni Salsa Guthrie. Can you explain why stock prices go down during the ex dividend dates? And uh, this funny, this was actually the question that spurred my video. I forgot where the question came from, but I knew there was a question. And um, I did a video, which I'll link up for you guys, which was the ex-dividend dates and really understanding the, the various dates. But we did have a reply to that comment from someone named Hughes, who actually did a really good job of explaining it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He said the ex-dividend date is the day that locks in who gets paid the dividend. And with the markets being efficient with adjusting prices, it causes the stock typically to drop by the amount that the dividend is paying out. Makes sense that people who buy the stock after the ex-dividend date don't want to pay the same price as they as they don't get the dividend payout when that happens weeks later. So that kind of summarized my entire video. I did about a 15 minute video, but there you go. There's one sentence and he did a really good job of, yeah. of explaining it. And yeah, thank you to Hughes to for, for kicking in and, and helping that out because it was uh, very, very well explained. Uh, there's that mathematical adjustment that is, and and Hughes said typically done. It doesn't mean every day if a two dollar dividend is paid off, the stock's going to drop by two dollars because there's other factors every day that are going into it as well. But uh, but all else being equal, yeah, you will see that adjustment. Yeah, and thank we love you to it. both. Thank you for the question and thanks Hughes for helping out uh, with the answer. Yeah, if you guys have any questions for next uh, month's mm. session or whenever the next session is, leave them down below because we read them and we'll clip them and hopefully we'll be able to feature yours in an upcoming uh, episode. But thank you guys for the comments there. Hey everybody, it's Brandon here. I'd like to interrupt today's episode very briefly to remind you that if you're looking for more training in the Canadian stock market, don't hesitate to check out our Investing Academy. You can join our private membership group and get access to our top stock picks, trade calls, portfolio insights, and a variety of tools that are helping our members all across the country better their own investing journeys. All it takes is one great stock idea or tip, and that alone can cover years and years of your subscription to our membership group. If you're looking for some additional video training to broaden your knowledge and expand your understanding of the stock market in Canada, we do of course offer a fully video online training program where you can learn from the comfort of your home amongst a variety of students across the country. Both of these products can be found at www.theinvestingacademy.ca where you can sign up for them online or schedule a call with us to learn more. Now back to our scheduled episode. Let's move on now, Dad, to our exciting new purchases. Mm -hmm. And we had some new additions. We had some uh, bump ups of existing uh, positions. positions. Do you want me to go over the holdings and then maybe you can speak on a couple or? Sure, yeah. Yeah, well then very quickly, let's talk about this. In Quest Trade, we added five shares of BABA. So that's Alibaba stock. Uh, this is a stock that's been getting a lot of, I've been getting a lot of questions on recently and rightfully so, this and Tencent. Mm -hmm. Uh, we could make a dedicated video on this whole China topic right now because it's actually getting more and more a little intense. Wealth simple portfolio. That's all we bought. That's all we bought in the question portfolio actually over the and entire for month. Those, sorry to interrupt, Brad. For those of you who maybe didn't see the you know the earlier videos in the series. Quest Trade is our growth-oriented portfolio, and Wealth Simple is our balanced-oriented portfolio, all combined. But so if you're just tuning in now, a little bit of perspective on on that. Thanks. Yeah, I totally yeah. that totally slipped my mind. I forgot to mention, but you're exactly right. So that is more of our aggressive portfolio. 
shifting over to wealth simple more of our balanced income generative portfolio the shares that we added were canadian utilities bought 30 shares we added clorox three shares cnr five shares 25 shares of td td bank uh, new holding and as well 17 shares of royal bank so why don't you take over on sure. the you know yeah let's talk about the banks for a moment because mm-hmm. yeah these are two brand new additions we these are brand new additions to our portfolio td and royal yeah. bank okay let's talk about the banks and this kind of uh it piggybacks off what we were speaking about earlier about buying a company and at what price do you finally take the plunge and, and how mm-hmm. strict do you want to be. Um, I can't remember how many decades literally I've owned the banks, you know, TD's uh, Canadian uh, uh, Royal Bank and others from time to time. But I think they, uh, our Canadian banks form a, a core of most investors, whether you're a growth-oriented investor or whether you're a balanced-oriented investor, uh, they're just such a critical part. And you know, one of the reasons uh, is the dividends. And, and you know, from time to time, these banks have gotten up to really, really substantial dividends. Both TD and Royal Bank right now are paying reasonable dividends of around the 3% uh, range. Uh, Royal Bank right now is at 3.43%. TD Bank is trading uh, or paying a dividend about 3.8%. So that's something, and the bank dividends tend to be very stable. Uh, they're, mm-hmm. you know, when we go through the financial crisis, uh, we went through the financial crisis, which seems like yesterday, but man, that was what, 13 years ago now uh, in, in that range there were uh, some dividends that were suspended or, or you know held up for a little bit. So they're not guaranteed as all dividends, um, no dividends are ever guaranteed, but we like that as an element and we believe that most Canadian investors with a reasonable risk uh, tolerance should have some banks. When we started this portfolio, you know, we started with nothing, just cash. So we looked at what we would want to enter uh, or put into the portfolio at the time. The first place, one of the first places we would go is to the banks because we want them in there. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to show you a, a chart here. And I know in a past, uh, some past videos I've talked about what's called the relative strength index. Now, to be clear, we are not um, technical traders. We believe, and there's, you know, there's technical fundamental or sort of the you know uh, competing interest in some cases. And a lot of investors will be one or the other. We believe a mesh of the two is best. We always start with the fundamental look at a company, and if we like. What the company does, we look at, you know, there's a runway ahead of them and, you know, all those types of things. Are they profitable? Then uh, that will be the starting point. Then we'll look for, okay, where are we in their cycle? Because all companies go through cycles. So one of the metrics that we do typically look at is what's called a relative strength and index or RSI is what you're going to hear. It'll put a chart up on uh, the screen here. At the time that we started the portfolio, you'll look at the chart and it shows uh, a couple of Ver, uh, horizontal dotted lines. The top red line, you'll notice on the right-hand scale is at 70, and the bottom uh, line, which is green, is at 30. Generally speaking, those are those ranges are considered to be um, overbought or undersold. So anything above 70, using this one indicator, would indicate that that particular stock at that point in time is overbought. It's priced above where it should be. Conversely, when you see at the bottom end and you know the green line, if it dips below 30, that's you know considered to be oversold, and it might indicate if all else is going well that it, it's a, a, a good entry time. So when we started the portfolio, both of these companies were trading at quite close to that 70 level, and in fact both went over the 70 mm-hmm. level um, 
shortly into the portfolio. So we've been watching them quite closely, looking for an opportunity, if you will, to add to those positions. Well, just recently, both of those companies have pulled back. Uh, Royal Bank pulled back uh, about 3%, somewhere in that range fairly recently. And over the last uh, month or so, little longer than that, TD Bank has pulled back actually closer to 7%. And you know, from, from the, the recent peak to, to where we are today. When we looked at that, because we're always looking, you know, what are we gonna add? We're looking at what's been down as a starting point and then look at, you know, why is it down? Is it temporary? Is it, if it's a permanent thing, obviously we're not gonna wanna put those into the portfolio, but with the banks, we noticed that, uh, mm -hmm. looked at the RSI. And if we look back at the RSI chart that we had on the screen, Brandon, we'll notice that uh, recently TD did in fact dip below that 30 number. And uh, Royal Bank never came quite that low, but it did uh, you know, come back down from the overbought territory. So when mm -hmm. we kind of factor those in, we want to own the companies. You know, our analysis of the company says that they are good long-term holds, they're stable companies, they pay an attractive dividend. I know almost back to where Callie was talking about earlier, yeah. how long do we wait? And you know, yeah. the, hey, nothing to say that these companies won't pull back further than where they are now, but we found it to be attractive and, and we thought, well, let's get them in. We're building up the portfolio and we took mm -hmm. a, a pretty good position on each of these, uh, which you know was, they're almost at their full position of where we'd want them to be in the long term. So that's kind of the, the thought process behind adding TD and Rollback at this time. And I hope that kind of adds a little bit of perspective. Um, the other ones you mentioned, Brandon, uh, Canadian Utilities, that was a new position we took. And with Clorox and CNR, we already owned those positions and we just bumped up the position uh, to a, a little bit larger weighting in the portfolio overall. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think that like what you just said there about Kelly, uh, the entire time you were saying that, I was just thinking in my head, this all ties back to his question. And mm -hmm. these, you almost make these assessments within your portfolio of which are gonna be your core staple companies, which are gonna be these engines for your portfolio going forward. And there are more opportune times to buy as you said looking at the rsi when those come down looking for a pullback mm -hmm. the way the way i like to approach it is like with a stock like td or royal bank which over the past 20 years have just powered on slow and steady grind and we'd hope that we'd expect and hope that for be the case going forward mm -hmm. it's just like when you find these opportunities that just kind of pull back you just keep nibbling 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 and yeah. um you know if you would have done that over the past 15 to 20 years and even further back, you would do just as well as hopefully we expect to do doing the exact same strategy now for the next 15 to 20 years, yeah. assuming the banks stay strong and they keep paying strong dividends and whatnot. But right. it, it's a great example of how with a stock such as those, we do opt for, let's call it even a, it's not that we dollar cost averaged into these positions. We took more or less a full position. Right. Yeah. But it's it's uh, with time as more money comes into the portfolio, we would happily add to these and keep the position yeah. size uh, relative to our entire portfolio, keep the ratios even. Maybe for a more specific stock that's more or less a, a play or more aggressive or something of that nature, maybe we are a lot more selective with the entry and exit, exit mm -hmm. points. But uh, it's uh, it, that actually sparked a new thought in my um, in my head is that it depends on what company you're looking at. Yes. Yeah. Uh, right. Whether you decide to uh, which way you're going to play it. Well, yeah. And what you just said makes so much sense because we know we want these companies in the portfolio. There's some other companies mm -hmm. that we don't know today and there might be an opportunity that comes up and we would factor all these things in. But yeah, mm -hmm. we were just you know looking to get these in and and um, yeah, they will go up and down and we plan to hold them for years and years. So we're gonna have great times and we're gonna have some rough times 
and I would have no hesitation right now if it turns out our timing was bad. The, the, those two holdings, uh, you know, Royal and TD focused on here today, dropped. Like you said, I'd probably be looking at picking up some more because you'd be looking yeah. at another opportunity there just to bulk up the position. Agreed. And yeah, yeah, with the other ones, they were more or less minor. Just a quick addition, as you said, to um, CNR. Nothing major there other than just, I think, averaging down slightly. Yeah. Uh, what was the other one? Uh, Clorox. Clorox. Clorox, very similar position. And uh, Canadian Utilities was a new one. Tr- tremendous yeah. dividend. One of the most reliable ones. You guys know that. But I think one of the things to take away is it is a very nice feature on Wealth Simple mm-hmm. trade not worrying about commissions here, right? In this past month, we made five different stock purchases and not once had to consider a trading commission mm-hmm. versus, you know, if we would have spent that on Quest Trade or on another platform, well, that's five times $5 or that's five times $10. And right. that's just one of those costs that you, it is a benefit of using Wealth Simple Trade. Um, and, and we're kind of showing that with the more generous amounts of purchases, the smaller amounts of shares that, that we're buying and, uh, it really doesn't hurt you to bump up a position by three by three shares or by two yeah. shares because it truly is a commission-free platform. It's un- cool. Unheard of in the old days. Well, even when I got the business, you couldn't. You had to buy 100 shares a as lot, a minimum. A lot. Yeah, a, that's, a lot. that's crazy. Yeah. And so now you can go in and you know add 50 bucks or 80 bucks uh, if that's what you have available to put in. It's, I think you, it's, you can even do a dollar. You can do a dollar now now that they have <laughs> fractional trading, which I haven't really tried uh, other than a test demo. But geez, yeah, yeah. a dollar. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure I'd want to do that, but heck, yeah, <laughs> it wouldn't make a, a whole bunch of difference in the portfolio and the structure, but Probably but you can, not. you can. Yeah. Well, hey, let's um let's wrap up this video. I think we're about uh, pushing 30 minutes in here, so why don't okay, we just sure. come through an overall overview and wrap yeah. things up today? So sure. on the screen, uh, I'm, on the screen, I will put up the overall asset allocation breakdown of our portfolios, and uh, these are our, the total. Uh, so the combined amount, basically, you have the Quest Trade one in and of itself, and you have the Wealth Simple portfolio, which we're still working it in. It's not quite there. As of today, we have 20 holdings overall. Our cash position as of last month was 40%. As of this update, that has been down to 24%. We increased our Canadian holdings with some of the names we just went over, uh, just bringing more and more depth as we continue on. But yeah. Feel free to pause the screen if you feel you'd like to look at these any heavier or any deeper, but I'll just kind of toggle them back and forth for you and you can see how our portfolios are starting to take shape. I, I will I will just add as well, if, if you're looking under sector allocation, we have now built the portfolio up over the last three months to have exposure to most sectors. And it doesn't mean you ha- you, you don't have to have exposure to all sectors at all times. We tend to at least have some weighting. Uh, the real estate uh, sector, we haven't made any purchases in that sector yet. Um, you will also notice on the chart that we have, uh, we have a category for international diversified, US diversified, and Canadian diversified. And those are typically if we owe, uh, own equity ETFs or if we were ever to buy a mutual fund that had exposure globally or, or domestically, that's where that would follow in. I doubt that we will end up, or it's, it's, less, like, <clears throat> it's less likely that we're going to end up with ETFs of the equity nature in there. But those are things that we possibly do. And in the, in the, you know, the way I look after, you know, I keep track of, of my portfolio, I do use this tool. And so that's something that uh, you'll notice on there. But we're, we're getting, we're getting, uh, we're starting to see an actual portfolio 
mm-hmm. as opposed to you know the first update that we did. Yeah, we made some trades and we started building it, but it wasn't looking, uh, you know, it was very unbalanced at the time. And that's kind of what you'd expect when you're building it up. But starting to starting to take some shapes. It was looking good. Hmm. And no rush either. You know, we're a few months into this and we're, we're still not in yeah. any panic or any concern to go. We're just going with it. And that's, I think, the way it should be done. You know, I, oppor- we're, see- we're seeing opportunities today in different areas of the markets that we didn't see four months ago or three months ago. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you three months from now, there's going to be new things. So we don't want to... You know, put all our eggs in one basket, so to speak, or invest all of our eggs right off the bat, because then we're 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 hooped. I sure would love to see some more opportunities coming up soon. I mean, I'd, I'd love to see a healthy correction in the markets, uh, and you know, gee, summertime and, and going into September, October, it's not that uncommon that that would happen. So, I mean, nobody likes it when their accounts go down. Like, really likes it, but it, as an investor you welcome those opportunities you embrace them because that's where you do get a chance to pick up some of these companies you look back to every one of these corrections that we've had and if you're doing it properly it presents an opportunity so i i would love it we have right now what is it around 24 percent still in cash and i'd love mm-hmm. it if we come back in three weeks or a month and we've been able to put a good chunk of that in because there's some opportunities came up uh, the 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 uh, top dollar value of our portfolio might be down, but that will be temporary. And so we'll see well, when we do our next update. Why don't we wrap up this presentation for today? I want to thank everybody who's made it this far uh, in the video, possibly mm-hmm. even the podcast. I know a lot of you guys are actually listening via podcast. Uh, as a reminder, these are all put into audio form. If you do want to go check us out, you can find us at the Investing Academy podcast uh, by searching that up on Spotify, Apple Music. You guys know the drill. But yeah. If you enjoyed today's video, take a moment and drop a big thumbs up because that really does help out. Make sure you're subscribed and hit the bell for notifications, especially very important to hit that bell for notifications these days so that YouTube knows and they, they'll signify you and they'll alert you. We do always have our investing academy down below. So if you're an investor who wants to stay even more informed with this uh, whole series that we have going on, you can get live Uh, updates when we buy when we sell how many shares exactly what's going on you don't have to wait a whole month for an update and then we talk back because you know even in a month uh, even in a matter of weeks things can change and it's not to say that we're perfect with our purchases by any means but it it can be an additional source of research for you Mm -hmm. where you can factor that in do your own due diligence and make an assessment of whether it's appropriate stock for you or not but yeah that's that first link down below dad i'll let you enjoy the weekend uh, I'm, nice. I'm probably going to just be relaxing here because, yeah, that's been a... Yeah. Uh, I, I will just add, um, if you uh, have a question, just a quick reminder, leave the question because we really love that interactive po- point. And even if it's a matter of something like, well, you guys said this, I don't really understand it, or heck, I disagree with it, uh, love mm-hmm. sort of that banter back and forth. So if you, if you uh, have a question that's come up, Throw it on there, and it, unfortunately, we can't, you know, put everybody's questions. But we try and pick some that are representative. Or if you see a question you like, give it a, you know, I guess what do you give it a thumbs up, or you like the question, that'll move it to the yeah, to the top the question, of the rankings. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah so good reminder, yeah, please yeah. remember to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And other and than so that, I, yeah, yeah, and yeah, I think that's about it. We can just, I guess, sign off for here. Thank yeah. you guys all for watching again. Thank you for the ongoing support of our uh, channel here and everything that you guys do. Hope you guys are still enjoying this series, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for next next um, update. I'm sure we'll have some big moves. Uh, we I, I, we got some decisions to make, in particular, I got some decisions to make with a couple of stocks in the Quest Trade portfolio, mm-hmm. a couple of Chinese stocks which are have which are going through something. But that'll be uh, the whole topic of next less, uh, next video. Yeah, maybe lesson, next yeah. month. 
could be the could be the, the focal point. Yeah. Thank you guys all for watching. Dad, good to see you. Good to see you, Brian. Good to see, see you everybody. next time. Bye bye. See ya. <laughs>